Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show, show number 16. I'm Kurt Schilling, and he is Bill Graff. Good morning, Bill. What's up? How are you, Kurt? Doing really, really well. Our uh, our early season discussions are coming to fruition with this rule changes and stuff, um, which is where we're going to start. Uh, Bill dug up some stats, and it's as we suspected. Now, in a game that's 100 years old, generally when you see year-over-year uh, uh, year increases in statistics, you'll see an increase of point-something percent or 2% or to some degree that percent. Uh, not this. Stolen bases are up 35%. 35% over 2022 so far this year. Here's here, here's some pretty amazing stuff. Only two base runners have been thrown out at third attempting to steal. Uh, the limited throwover, which is what I expected to be a, a, a very significant piece of this. No runner has been thrown out after the pitcher is thrown over the first two times. Um, I mean, you're going to see some crazy numbers. And that, you know, for you fantasy folks out there, absolutely, uh, it's a trend that's going to continue. And, and I think for the, for the guys up front, the guys that are leading the league, you'll see um, – some pretty insane numbers. Uh, Guardians are up uh, uh, 25 as of uh, Monday, and that would break the record overall record for a season. The O's are at 24, Mets are at 20. You're going to see teams running uh, as you're seeing them run. Um, Kristen Javier has allowed seven stolen bases in 17 innings. No Syndergaards, who was a, it was a nightmare holding runners before this, has allowed six and 16. Chris Sales allowed five and 12 innings. Carlos Carrasco, five and 8.2 innings. Those are uh, insane numbers that will play out over the season. And I think, well, so, so uh, let me back up. If, if you, uh, I, I didn't, I never gave up a lot of stolen bases because in the minor leagues, I had a pitching coach named Dick Bosman who, who worked with me religiously for a year in AAA on being quick to home. Uh, and, and generally when I, when I was playing, um, I was one, one, five, 1.15 seconds or less, usually to home with the runner on first, when you get to 1.2 and above, you're talking about, uh, uh, guys that can run will steal on you. I, I so I was 1.15 and below, um, and I had a decent move. I don't think I ever really threw over a ton of times, uh, with the runner over any runner, but. Uh, I recognize that in the National League, it was very much a part of the game um, because the leagues were different. They, the American League, you didn't run a lot. National League, you ran a lot more. That's going to change to be probably both leagues. Um, but these guys aren't – another aspect of, of a short minor league stint is the the lack of innings and work on fundamental things, and, and being quick to home is a fundamental thing. And they're not getting the work – to become that and then they're going to pay for it in the big leagues and it's really really i think really going to have an effect on the the uh the the bullpens number one and if you think about this stat um no runner has been thrown out after two pitcher throws over twice only two runners have been thrown out at third attempting to steal what's the new extra inning rule right you start the new extra inning rule is you start with a runner on second base if third yeah, base the ghost stealing, runner yep that's going to change uh, those outcomes. So 
We'll talk later in the week also about the other uh, other rule changes, notably the shift, which is having an impact. Um, and and but, Kurt, they it just seems that the really fast guys are the guys who are taking every opportunity and always being successful. Yeah, I you mean, know, and the kids. If you if you think about it, it, with the new rule for the most part, a walk is almost becoming as good as a hit in the sense that you're going to be in scoring position if you're a runner. You're on first base. You're going to be on second base, with rare exception. If if uh, if these rules stay, and that's again, I don't know if that's the desire for Major League Baseball, but as a pitcher, um, I think there's an immense amount of work on the side to put in to become. You got you've got to create a game plan with runners that allows you to keep them at, at first base. It allows you to stop them from stealing because ninety nine point nine percent of stolen bases prior to the rule change were they weren't stolen off the catcher. They were stolen off the pitcher because the pitcher wasn't fast enough. This is going to change a lot of that percentage. And uh, as a pitcher, not for the better. So well, and, yeah, the, and is... there's a few teams that have decided this is going to be their personality. You know, the the Indians, the O's, uh, the Diamondbacks, I read articles where the middle of their order, their outfield are all three speedsters. You get to that part of the order and Anybody gets on and it's chaos. Right. Well, and you're also uh, almost like when you send a runner uh, with the, in a hit to the outfield, um, you're, you're not relying on, but you're, you're counting on per perfect defense to prevent. That's not, the, there's going to be overthrows. There's going to be misthrows. There's going to be other things that happen where that one base becomes two. And, you know, with the, with the incredible decrease in outs, uh, runs are going to go up. Yeah. And again, I think that's, you know, as a pitcher, that's not fun for me, um, but everybody's got to adjust. Um, speaking of some pitching and speaking of streaks, uh, the Rays, they didn't make it to the show, but they did go 13. Um, I remember the Atlanta Braves being a 13-0 guy a long time ago. Um, but the streak ended at 13 and, uh, it's funny because you hear fans saying, oh yeah, well, that's because they put the worst teams on the schedule. Well, if you think about the schedule and the worst teams, the best teams in baseball beat the worst teams, like the Rays beat the worst teams. They dominate them, run scoring, run runs against, and they win. And that's exactly what they did. They are, they are, they're going to be very, very good. Uh, they are going to be a contender in the AL East and. You know, Yankee fans probably should shut up because everything they do is coming back to bite them in the ass karma-wise with Stanton going on the DL. And, uh, you know, thank God for Garrett Cole, who, uh, who who's doing his thing. Uh, uh, he actually did it uh, beating Minnesota the other day, 2-0, uh, on a complete game gem, which is – Garrett Cole is, is – uh, and I know, again, this sounds like uh, – kind of the old guy get off my lawn, but my goodness, what a refreshing guy to watch pitch him and Sandy Alcantara for me are, it, it, I'm not sitting there waiting for their outing to end, which and, I think is. is and is I it. heard Aaron Boone talking about Garrett Cole saying what a consummate professional he is about attacking things and how he thinks through every start and how he gets himself ready. And it's what you've talked to us about about all the work you have to do before you step on the mound. 
Well, and there's a big difference. Think about that. I can't explain this and quantify in numbers what this means. But if you're getting prepared to get 15 to 18 outs a night, and I'm getting prepared to get 27, it's a completely different mindset. And Garrett Cole and Al Contrera, for the most part, are, and I don't know many others, are getting ready. They're, they understand they're getting paid in, in their minds. They're getting paid to pitch nine innings. Those are my nine innings as a starting pitcher. And there's a sense of pride you take in that. There's no greater feeling, I can tell you, than walking off the mound to shake your catcher's hand after the 27th out. That's just such an amazing feeling. And and there's a desire to get that. And Al Contrera has it. I, Cole realizes it. Um, you know, these are also two guys, two guys, uh, who understand they're not getting paid exorbitant money to pitch. They're getting paid to win. And that's another very different mentality from a lot of pitchers in the big leagues. Um, well, and but- I had put in the rundown, Kurt, for us to talk about the twins. And then Garrett Cole d- did that to the twins, Yeah, but their pitching staff is doing an amazing job. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I got to tell you, there are times when things happen um, team-wide, staff-wide, bullpen-wide, lineup-wide that are contagious and it becomes a kind of a one-upsmanship game, um, their staff ERA is 2-6. Uh, their team whip, walks and hits innings pitch, is 0.96. That's obscene. Um, Pablo Lopez, uh, Sonny Gray, and Joe Ryan have been phenomenal. Uh, six and one, I think, combined as of Monday. Gray's got a 0.53. Lopez, 1.7 with a whip of 0.81. Uh, Ryan is 284 with a 0.63 whip. I don't know how the hell he has a 2.84 with a 0.63 whip. Um, clearly unsustainable levels of success. Um, but it, it's also, I don't think it's fluky. I think you're looking at a very good pitching staff and a team that will pitch its way uh, to contention as long as they can stay healthy, which leads to the next line uh, and next story. Uh, a guy who I've, I've always liked uh, his arm, his stuff, and, and, and everything about him. Uh, Brandon Woodruff is uh, on the DL or on the IL. I'm sorry. Don't cancel me. Um, he has a grade two subscapular strain. Uh, again, another injury that sounds incredibly uh, harmless. Uh, and is pretty much the opposite. Uh, this could be a season ender. Uh, very uh, Just as easily as he could be back, it could be over for the season. I mean, um, you know, we talk, I talked earlier in the year, I, I used a rubber band to explain what a strain looks like. You know, picture a rubber band overstretching and how the tensile, tensile strength starts to weaken. Um, and that's permanent loss. Even when you bring the rubber band back, that's lost forever. Uh, not the same in a muscle, but the same concept. You're overstretching the muscle, fiber tissue tears, and the muscle has to regain its strength, tensile strength. The problem is you can't do that without complete rest, Bill. You ha- you can't, it's not a, oh, I'm going to just throw nice and easy. You you can do nothing. Um, and I would argue that window, is, so, so think about this. You have a situation where you can do nothing. So do you do nothing for two weeks, for four weeks, for six weeks? Because if you do nothing for two weeks and you throw that first day and it's not healed, you're back to day one. If you, Same thing with four weeks. If you do it for four weeks and you throw that day on the fourth week and it still hurts, you're back to day one. So 
you're you're looking at a, a, a significant window of time, and it depends on this the severity of the strain as well. But um, you know, he remarked, uh, and I think this is pretty pretty telling uh, that if this had been the All Star break, Bill, he said he'd he'd shut it down for the year. Yeah, which tells me that it's a significant strain because the pain is severe. Correct. Which tells me again that if you don't take the proper time, and I don't know what that is, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks of zero throwing, zero activity, zero anything, and and you don't get that right, perfectly right, or over, or, or you're overcautious, you're back at day one whenever that is in a season's lost. Um, and a, a guy you definitely want to see on the mound because he's good for baseball when he pitches. He's fun to watch, but... But this is, I'm hoping he gets better soon, but I'm talking now go back, Bill, to what I was talking about early in the year. If you sit a pitcher for eight weeks, he's basically coming uh, starting day one of his offseason program at that point. So he's eight how weeks away. Take, yeah. How long does it take for it's, it's eight weeks to ramp up? Yeah. So you're looking probably at four months minimum. If it's as severe as it sounds minimum. Which, well, and the Brewers, you know, the Brewers are a team whose staff might be able to overcome a guy like this because they're still playing well and pitching well, but that's still a big hit for the Brewers. Oh, it's a huge hit. It's a huge hit. It, it, your number one A, uh, it's a huge hit. Um, but I, I would I would expect that if the Brewers and if the Brewers are intent on being good multiple years that this is something they don't rush back. You probably won't see him again this year. And you just rest him till next season, which is, that would be the me. The only way to guarantee his health and coming back would, in my opinion, would be you rest him until the off season and then start his next year's program. If it's as severe as, because otherwise you're, you're, you're going to be gambling. So. And they're still um, coming off beating the Padres three out of four. Yeah. Uh, with uh, Miley beating Darvish in the final game, uh, San Diego, yeah, on to the next note, San Diego uh, desperately needs Joe Musgrave. You know what? It, it's one of the, uh, in all the numbers, um, he made his last minor league start, punched out eight and five, tossing six and nine pitches. So that all is well. He's fine. Um, the Padre staff is struggling. Uh, they've only gone six innings nine times. Uh, their ERA is four, six. Uh, there are only seven relievers, uh, which I think might change here soon. Um, they're eight and nine, which they're not living up to the preseason hype. Here's the thing. For the most part, you can count on ball players to to be who they you think they are. And that by that I mean most of these guys have track records. And there's no reason to think that they won't be where they're supposed to be when the season ends. You know, you hear about guys who are off to a hot start, they'll revert to the mean. Uh, or teams that are off to a hot start will revert to the mean. Same thing for guys that are struggling. I think the Padres are so talented. It's going to be impossible. Listen, if if they end the year 500, that would be a massive, massive underperform. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I don't think uh, any of that is going to happen. I think they're going to be uh, fine. It's just they're going through a rut. What you can't do and what they haven't done, uh, you can't bury yourself in April. And by that, I mean you can't be 5-15 and 15 or 5-18 and 18 at the end of April. You can't be in a division where a team like the Rays have gone 13-1 and one, uh, and be 4-12 and 12 
uh, and hope to make that up. You just don't make up, you know, 10 games. So April is about staying healthy and not burying yourself. Just like spring training is about getting out of, uh, out of town healthy. Uh, you want to end April healthy and you want to end April at better at, at you know, with a 500 record if you're struggling and truly uh, no one in the nl west is separating themselves no no and 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 again uh the thing that's going to make it much more of a challenge now for divisional races and for teams that do fall behind is you're not getting as many games against the teams above you as you used to that can be better or worse but the fact of the matter is the the control of your own destiny thing is not what it once was. So those games become doubly crucial, uh, your interdivisional games, which is probably not a bad thing. So um, let's go uh, hit around the league. I, I do. I like this approach. I think it's something we might pick up and take um, around the league uh, each week, which is Bill has noted some performances. Uh, a couple things on here. I, I, I'm excited to talk about uh, Hunter Brown of the Astros two and O with a one nine um sit uh he his stuff he sits mid 90s with a with <laughs> a 92 mile an hour slider um which is absurd uh and also uh a guy who you're going to look at uh Tommy John unfortunately power sliders like that are literally impossible to stay healthy with um because of the stress and strain and the things that happen to your arm and elbow when you have it's the hardest pitch to manipulate i think in the world um you got 11 swings and misses on 99 pitches the other day six of those coming on sliders houston is seven and nine struggling a little bit um but this kid's legit and i'm clear i'm sure from a fantasy perspective he is someone that's already picked up if he's not your league sucks um (laughs) and and, a really good story he was a fifth round pick yeah yeah the the, we talked in the last show you know it's a lot on this kid, and he's really delivered. Yeah, and he's twenty three. Yeah, that that's that's the big twenty three is very very young. The amount of stuff he does. So anyway, um, great story, great great story coming out of Houston for a team that's not struggling. And I'm going to tell for all the people that listen to me in your preseason prop bets, and and put money on rookie of the year in the National League to be Brett Batty. That you're welcome. Uh. At AAA, he was hitting <laughs> his slash line was 400, 500, 886. For those of you not counting at home, that's a 1386 OPS, which is good, I guess. Uh, he had five bombs. He caught he, the Mets called him up. Um, he's he's special, yeah, he is special, and and he is going to be. And here's the other thing, and you've heard me talk about this with the with uh, Buck Showalter. Buck got to know him in spring training, and there's no chance in hell that Buck Showalter allows this call-up to happen without the understanding in his mind that Brett Batty's ready for the big leagues. None. So that that should be a very comforting thought for you Mets fans um, who you know, I know you're not off to the start. You hoped you were would be, um, but everything, you, you'll be fine. The Mets are going to be fine, and as long as they can stay healthier, get healthier. Um Another guy we talked about, but Brett Batty, put your money, uh, put a prop bet on him for rookie of the year. I think you might be uh, pleasantly surprised. Um, a guy we talked about early in the year, we actually had a long discussion about this gentleman. Um, he is over in Japan. Uh, Trevor Bauer uh, made his first start for the Yokohama Bay Stars in the minor leagues. Uh, went four, punched out six, gave up four hits, said he felt great. 
Uh, he's just going to need a couple innings before he gets called up. I, I think he's going to do, he's going to dominate over there. Um, just because of, the, well, he's a great pitcher, uh, not person, but great pitcher. He was suspended for 176 games. Yeah. Yeah. That, and to me, him showing up over there, everybody deserves a second chance. And, and I hope he does well. Well, here's the thing. Bill, and you know, we're getting off of the we're going into social commentary, which is fine, but he was he didn't commit a crime. Right. All right. Now, uh, you can morally and ethically disagree, and I do with everything that was talked about, but there's every reason to believe that that the young ladies involved in this were looking to make a lot of money, uh, because apparently all the evidence pointed to consensual acts by both parties. So he didn't commit a crime. This is the holier than now uh, Major League Baseball with Pete Rose out of the Hall of Fame and them gambling and allowing gambling at an extraordinary level now, taking some sort of moral stance and high ground. Uh, um, you know, I, the thing about it was you didn't have to ban him. You you had to know you the game has gotten so woke teams wouldn't sign him. What team is going to put up with that bullshit at at at, at and Given the kind of guy he is that, that his teammates have made clear, his teammates didn't want him back in L.A. Now, if this was a guy that was a good in the locker room and guys like to be around, they would have fought for him. Right. Nobody did. Nobody wanted this guy around. He's a I think he's a clown. Uh, I think he, he's he, I, I think he's a, an outstanding pitcher. Obviously, I think he's got incredible uh, baseball IQ. I think he's a he's an effing idiot. Um, but none of that. None of just because you're stupid and ignorant and, and you do and, and you're dumb and you do things that you should have known better doesn't mean you should be banned from baseball. There were a you know, lot of again, bad characters in baseball through the years. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. The character clause in a, a sport with, well, I don't even want to get in. We'll get into that wow. someday, but we're not going to Let's talk, talk about, about a really, really good player. Yeah, so I've said this, and I still believe this. I think it's the injuries have hurt this claim. I believe this person is the greatest player anybody alive will ever see. Now I have to caveat that and say the greatest hitter any alive, because his teammate might be the greatest player anybody alive ever sees. Mike Trout hit a double this past weekend. Think about this. Mike Trout, and again, we're talking about a sport that's over 100 years old. Hundreds of thousands of players. I, th I believe it's probably at least hundreds of thousands of players. Games, years, seasons. Mike Trout is the fourth player in history with 300 doubles, 300 homers, and 200 stolen bases. The only other players to do that, two cheaters and one of the greatest that ever lived. Willie Mays. So it's Mike Trout and Willie Mays in my mind. Um, and then Barry Bonds and A-Rod. Mike Trout and Willie Mays. I mean... <laughs> When you're on a list with something only Willie Mays has ever done legally, uh, wow! Both center fielders, by the way, don't get don't lose that because because both were Gold Glove caliber, spectacular defensive outfielders and are. Um, I got to tell you, one of the things, uh, as a side note to this, one of the things that really I never noticed when I played, and I always poo pooed when I read it as a retired player. But I came to realize is a real thing. As you watch players get older, uh, guys that are fast, 
they their stolen bases go down and it's not because they're slower it's because and you hear them say you know i don't want to take the beating and if you look at mike trout's stolen base totals that's exactly what's happened he doesn't run anymore and not not to nearly the, the, the impact and i apparently there is a beating on the body to be taken from stealing bases and I never, I never realized that. Just a small point, but I just thought, thought it was very curious. As you look at guys who, and it generally tends to be the physical guys, like Mike Trout. Mike Trout is a monster of a man. You have to stand next to him to understand he, how thick and big he is. You don't see the 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 Vince Coleman, the the long, slender, skinny guys. I think uh, because the soul base is such a part of their uh, their arsenal, or uh, maybe the key part. Uh, whereas it's just a it's just a side note to a guy who hits 300 homers and 300 doubles. So again, kudos and awesome stuff. Um, I thought about this next part of the show, Kurt, as I was yep. watching baseball this weekend. And all of a sudden it was comebackers dominating video highlights. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, if you, again, the game is almost what over 100 years old, right, Bill? Yeah. How many players pre-1970 do you remember being hit in the face? Rocky Calavito? Yeah. I mean, that was his career ended. Tony Canigliaro. Tony Canigliaro. Or Tony Canigliaro. I was thinking of Calavito. Yeah, yeah. Canigliaro. Canigliaro. Uh, and that ended his career. Right. But it was an extremely rare event and occurrence. Right. Incredibly rare. Because it's almost it's scientifically, it's almost impossible to get hit in the face on a comebacker because your body will react to a degree and at a speed that will prevent that event from happening. That, that skill only stays with you if you work on it. In spring training, you take PFP, you take tons of comebackers and all the things that go with that. You understand fielding your position. You do, we used to do pitcher, PFP as pitcher's fundamental practice. When I, early in my career, we used to have PFP practice during the season. Um, it's the same exact thing with guys getting hit in the face as hitters. It's something that you, you the more at-bats you get, uh, you only get hit in the head with a pitch or in the face with a pitch if you're comfortable in the box. You only get comfortable in the box if you're facing a pitcher. You're not worried about coming in. Right? And with the lack of command of the modern-day pitcher compared to the past, uh, they're not effectively wild inside. I don't – I never hit – I don't believe – I'm pretty sure I never hit a guy in the head, ever. I could have if I wanted to. I hit – I hit, I think, 52 guys in my career. I would tell you I hit uh, less than 10 by accident. And, and those were like brush the jersey kind of hits. I never hit anybody solid uh, because if I was aiming for you, uh, uh, I hit you. And if I wasn't aiming for you, I, for the most part, I didn't hit you because I didn't have a run on my ball. These guys today, have their lack of command, I, I, I'll i bet you, and, and I'm going to go out and let me say right now, I'll bet you uh, hit by pitches are over the last couple of years have, have increased from the past. I think but, I did read that stat. You do not get hit by a comeback. You never saw Greg Maddox get hit by a comeback. You know, through almost 5,000 innings. You never saw him get hit in the face. I got hit in the elbow in the minor leagues. Uh, um, never got hit in the face. 
That's uh, good. And John Gray of the Rangers got hit in the elbow this week. And yep. uh, Gus Varlin of the Brewers was the one that it came to his face. And he broke his hand blocking the ball yeah. before it hit his jaw. Yeah. No, it's this stuff is <clears throat> is uh, and, you know, it's it's. I think it's kind of crazy to to expect to think that the speeds are any different than they used to be from a batted ball. Um, maybe a little bit hard, but the fact of the matter is pitchers can protect and defend themselves the very same way as hitters. Uh, if the work is put in, there's always exceptions, right? But if you don't end in the proper position as a pitcher, it's going to be harder to defend yourself. And especially if you see, you'll see a lot of pitchers who will, who will fall off to the left or the right, and they'll be sideways, almost parallel to home plate which is a different reaction because you're, 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 you're getting the ball in your peripheral instead of being square onto it. But again, Maddox probably, he won 18 gold gloves or some ridiculous number. Uh, he had a tons of now half 90% of his comebackers were, were dribblers because of the weak contact, but you know, they, he, I guarantee you, they all had them, but, but you don't see Clemens um, guy. Think about guy, Pedro, um you didn't pedro didn't have a lot of comebackers and pedro uh pedro didn't hit guys in the head for the most part he he threw up top a little bit but you know it's a thing you learn in the minor leagues and goes back to the complaint i've been making since the beginning which is guys aren't getting enough innings in the minor leagues getting enough at bats in the minor leagues to learn the fundamental stuff and when you have to learn something for the first time or experience something for the first time in the major leagues it's a bad thing it's not a good thing it's not a good thing. So, um, but no, I never hit someone in the head. Uh, never threw at somebody's head. Uh, and and I'm going to say this I, because uh, I hit one guy in my career that I know he still believes it was in purpose and it wasn't. And I'm going to plea on the air once again. Uh, he's going into the Hall of Fame this year. Former teammate, one of the greatest human beings I've ever known, one of the greatest players I ever played with, Scott Rowland, hit a home run off me when he was at the Cardinals. And the next at bat, I drilled him. Uh, was completely unintentional. And I think to this day, he believes that I did it on purpose and I didn't. And I still feel bad about it I because think I didn't he... play the game that way. I didn't throw at you if you hit a home run off me. I threw at you because I was protecting a teammate or because you did something really, really stupid and hitting a home run off me wasn't stupid. So anyway. I think the only person I ever heard or admitted that they threw inside and up was Bob Gibson. Yeah. Who basically said to you, well, if you lean over the plate, I'm throwing it. Well, and, and he was trying to throw up and in. He wasn't trying to hit him in the head. No, up and in. It was recognition that if you got hit in the head, if he hit you in the head, it was because you were too comfortable. And that's your fault. You know, I, I disagree. Like I said, I disagree with the head stuff just because of the potential for a, yeah. for a fatality or for a career ending injury. I never... You know, it's like spearing in football or something. I never was interested in that. And I commanded the ball well enough that I could avoid your head. I wanted, this is where you want it. Right here, Bill. Soft part. If you want to hit somebody and hurt them and have it be the best bruise that lasts the longest amount of time, you hit them right under the armpit. Um, because it, it's, a, it's, a, it's funny because I've seen the hitters, when the ball's coming at their armpit, they freeze because they don't know which way to go. So they can't get out of the way and they do this and that opens it up, boys. So 
I think yeah. that's a great place to end this week. Yep. Kurt. That's All right, we'll, uh, we'll catch up. Hey, listen, we'll talk about the shift on Friday. Yeah, um, that'll be in there. Impact on the game. But, but I got to tell you real quickly, uh, my son, uh, my oldest son, who is a baseball fan, obviously, he, he grew up in the clubhouse. He mentioned to me that he is actually very much watching baseball again and enjoying it because of the pitch clock. Um, I made my old school old man yelling at the sky argument of, you know, you're not going to have drama build up moments, but he didn't seem to care. Um, and he's the fan. I mean, he's the guy, the baseball is hoping to get back. Right. And he's back. He's watching a lot of baseball. He loves watching it. Uh, and he said, it's, it's very palatable with the pitch clock. Things are happening. It's, you know, so hats off baseball. You, you did, you are getting people back. Cause I clearly, I, my son's not the only one. So no, MLB gets right, the we'll W on Friday. Outkick.com, folks. Outkick.com. We're on Spotify now, too. Check us out. Tell your friends uh, baseball and baseball only on the Kurt Schilling Show. I'm Kurt Schilling. He's Bill Graff. We'll see you guys on Friday.